Uh, we're going to read from um, Luke 1, 5 to 38. So. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Thank you, Bishop James. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So as I mentioned earlier, we're starting a new series, and it's called uh, God's Plan. 
There's going to be a little uh, visual that we'll have with it where we have a little intersecting of God's plan and then our plan. And we look through the gospel of Luke. We see the primary purpose of this was to accomplish the telling of Jesus Christ's ministry. How it constitutes the realization or the fulfillment of what is prophesied in the Old Testament. And if you're like me and you know my little daughter Naomi, her favorite phrase when she doesn't understand something is, huh? That's how we are sometimes when we kind of read this. You're like, okay, that's nice and everything. But giving a little bit of background as to who Luke is and why he wrote this, it's the understanding that Luke was a Gentile. I believe it said that in the New Testament, he was the only Gentile that actually wrote a New Testament scripture, much less a gospel also. He was a companion of Paul. He was a doctor. And he also produced the book of Acts. The reasoning for him to produce this book was to explain Jesus Christ's ministries and to relate and to develop the new community of the church that was going to be. He was a part of um, the church as a second generation church. He was a, a Gentile, he was Greek, and he saw the witness of who Jesus Christ was, and he saw also what was happening, and he put together these accounts of what was happening and what was going on. Essentially, Paul and we see New Testament believers, they believed a certain way, but when they had an encounter with Jesus Christ, everything changed. We're going to see a lot of this intersecting idea that God's plan is happening from Genesis when sin entered into the equation. And then when we were cast down and when we were separated from God, that God put a plan into place to redeem us and to bring us back into right standing with him. So what we see a lot of this time is we see that we have the gift of salvation that is given unto us, right? And in that moment when God's plan of salvation to man intersects with our life, it changes every single thing. There's a really good song from a friend of mine, uh, Dwight Ford Jr. He had an album that he came out this year. It was called The Whiteboard. And he made this uh, quote in there that I've said many a times. It's the thought that God always wipes away your past. We're always talking about God wipes away your past. We don't talk about those old sin nature and things that you have. But what happens when he wipes away your future? What happens with all the plans that you had and from this worldly secular aspect that you were living in? We don't talk about how when Jesus Christ comes into the equation, he wipes everything that you were going to do away. And he gives you a new path to love and fulfill him and put you on a new purpose in your life. We see this. In the gospel, many a times. We see this in the gospel of Luke as he comes onto the scene and his disciples are fishers of fishermen. But he asks him, do you want to be fishers of men? It's the understanding that when Jesus Christ and God's plan enters in with our plan, it makes it perfect for us to be able to move forward and to build this church. It's what we're called to do. We see a lot of the teaching in the book of Luke. I'm going to give some background information. I believe it's good to have context. As we look through the Gospel of Luke, as we're going to jump into Scripture later on. But looking at the context of this, we see a lot that Luke offers, much teaching that details the ethics of the relationships that we have. And also with wealth and materialism, issues that we still face today in the church that we are in. It's the understanding that even now that during a holiday season, during the Christmas season, where we are consumed with the gifts that we can receive. When we're consumed with my blessing, many prosperity, let me get my blessing. What am I going to receive? What is God going to give to me? It's understanding that knowing in God's plan has and will always be to bless you. 
You are going to be blessed when you come into salvation because you are now not separated from God eternally. But you are in a place now that you have received salvation and that you are no longer confined and damned to hell. But it's the understanding that God wants to bless you. He wants to give unto you, but in a way that does not mirror the the world's definition of blessing or blessed. But in a way that it can and will be used to glorify him. Essentially, the word blessed means that God's light is shining upon you in such a way that it tells us in the book of Matthew, it says, so let your light so shine upon men so that people can see it and you can reflect that back to God. So when we start to look at this, it's the understanding that God's blessing, what he gives you in this world and in this life, is also that you can work to take away the reproach of the people around you. That when God may bless you with something, may it be monetary, may it be something of a a, a weight off of your shoulders, it's meant so that you can use that blessing so that then you can utilize it to take away the reproach of the world and people around you. And any blessing that you receive is meant to help those around you. Any other use of the blessing of God then becomes a perversion of what he is meant for you to do with that. Any other use of the blessing that God gives you then becomes a perversion if you do not use it to glorify God. There are ministers, there are people, there are preachers out there who have great oratory skills. But if it's not used for the glorification of God, then it becomes perverse. And then it can pull people away from what it was meant to be. We see this many, many times. So we continue through. The Gospel of Luke, most importantly, attempts to deliver how God's plan meets and will also fulfill, will be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, we, we get that the gospel, we forget that the gospel is a universal perspective. The gospel and the scope of every single thing that we do is universal. And Luke explains this in the stories and explains the, how the origins of a small Jewish movement in the community spans through all the nations. I think sometimes even in my mindset as a church pastor on the west side of Charleston, I get consumed with the gospel and what we need on the west side of Charleston. But I'm quickly humbled and I'm quickly brought back in to the bigger aspect of the gospel when I get the opportunity to go to travel down to Lincoln and Logan counties where I have after school programs. And I see that my kids down there are still suffering through some of the same situations as our kids are up here. And in the same way as I say with my my after-school programs, I say I must give all of my time and talents and resources to help develop and do better for these kids. We must do the same thing with the gospel, even if these people are different than us ethnically, even if they may be different than us culturally. It's the understanding that the gospel is for all persons. But we see here specifically... Luke is teaching and giving a testament as to how the church and its multiculturalism becomes together and unified through the gospel. And it's only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we look at our multicultural world, it's sometimes it's bitter to look at the ethnic divisions and diversity and stuff like that. That we, we hate against each other because of certain things. But it's also certainly, it's relevant that in the gospel, it highlights how men and women of different ethnic cultures, different backgrounds can be transformed into a unified community. And how humanity can come together in a relationship with God and its creator. That the only answer is Jesus Christ to the issues that we have in this world around us. 
so many teachings, so many other ideologies, but it is the gospel of Jesus Christ which unites men who have been separated by sin. Theologically, Luke purposed to defend the social inclusion of Gentiles into the church and into the community. And we see this theme throughout the whole Bible. And it's found more so in the book of Acts, but the background and the ground is being laid in the gospel of Luke. And at its core, the theology and the teaching is the plan of God to redeem the world through Jesus Christ. And its fulfillment is done through Jesus Christ. So we see in the book of Luke a basic structure. We're going to see this structure going out through the book. We see in Luke, we see the basic structure around this theme of of Jesus Christ and the redemption of the world. And we see that there's a pattern of promise and fulfillment that was in the Old Testament. The error of promise that the Messiah was going to come was the error of the Old Testament up until John the Baptist. And then we see with this new era with John the Baptist and Jesus that the era of fulfillment starts with Jesus Christ and his ministries. And it continues through his return and the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is where we see and this is where we are now in this time of dispensation of grace. And these are going to be the patterns that we see in the gospel. But it's important for us to remember that even in this plan, there's a mission. There's a mission to this plan that we have. We see it in the book of Luke. Jesus Christ, he preaches to the poor. He heals the sick. And it's not just the poor, but the poor of spirit, but also those who were sick, who were infected with sin. And he calls these sinners to repentance. He commissions representatives and to take the message abroad and that Christ has come to save and heal the lost. So we see is our model of discipleship. We see this in Luke 9 and 10 a lot. He's going to teach us a lot about the model of discipleship as in, and how we are to commission believers to go outside of the church and to reach those who are lost. And even in his betrayal, even when the cross came, It wasn't a surprise to Jesus Christ because this was a part of God's plan. And it's the understanding in our lives that in God's plan, you may have to go through a season of suffering and a season of pain. But it's a part of God's plan so he can be glorified and so that people can come to the understanding of who God is and be brought back into redemption. It's a part of the blessing and being broken. Being blessed and being broken is a pattern that we're going to see here in the Gospel of Luke also. It was no surprise that he was going to be betrayed. He saw it as a necessary item and thing that had to happen. He even told Peter to get from behind me Satan when Peter was trying to save him and trying to worship him. And at the center of this we see today, as we celebrate this Christmas season, we're here, have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. We got tinsel, we got trees. If you know me, I'm not a big Christmas person. I love the holiday season now that I have a daughter, and it's fun to watch her. She knows what Amazon is now. It's kind of creepy. Like, she sees the Amazon packages come in. My mom sent some stuff in from North Carolina. She saw them packages and was just like, Dad, yeah, and starts just trying to tear into it. I'm like, baby girl, chill. Relax a little bit. She sees the gifts underneath the trees, and that's a joy for me now to see how she is going to receive these gifts and seeing other people during this season. And as we see here at the center of God's plan now that we, we see this time that Christ has come. As we saw in the scripture, we're not going to go verse by verse with it, but I wanted James to read the first portion of Luke. And at the end of this, we're going to have Ethan to read the back portion of, of Luke. 
we see at this, we see that today we start with two miraculous births. Two great gifts that came to the world in a time that was silent. In a time that felt chaotic. In a time that there was 400 years of silence from God. We see from the Old Testament to the New Testament, 400 years of silence. And God pops up on the scene with a gift for man. Greatest gift that has ever been given. There's a little... um, there's a, a church that's parked right across, right across the street from me. They have all these little signs that they put up on Sunday. Some of them are really corny. Some of them are really good. And uh, one, of them, one of them said on there today, uh, yesterday, they put up and it said, Mary was the first person to, um, to bear or to hold a present on Christmas. The present of Jesus Christ that we can all receive. I thought it was corny, but I also thought it was good. But it's also in the understanding in Ephesians 2 and 8, it tells us that salvation is a gift from God. And you must receive the gift for it actually to be utilized in the right way. So we see here in our scripture that we see two accounts. Two accounts of people who receive gifts during this season of life. We see that John the Baptist was the gift. He was the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And then we see Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of man, birthed from Mary and conceived of the Holy Spirit. We see these two births shown out in the conception of them from Luke 1, 5 through 38. These two births were blessings that were foretold to happen. I want us to remember that God will bless so that it can be used to glorify him and to be used to take away the reproach of man. That is going to be a key theme over these next two weeks is that when you receive the blessing, that when you receive that gift from God, whenever you get from God is meant to be a blessing to your life so that you can reciprocate it to other people around you. I'm proud and thankful that as us as a church plant, that has been the core of what we do with our church. That we know that God has blessed us within abundance. And people always think we're this huge church. And I'm like, we're not a huge church. But as we have received the grace of God and the love of God and the resources of God, we want to sustain ourselves by giving back out to the community. And that's how God has continued to bless us. Not from a worldly aspect of what a church should look like from a blessed aspect. Not from this huge church aspect where we should have thousands of people. But I'm blessed and we are blessed because God is with us and has shined his light upon our church. Because we use the resources that he has given us to magnify him. To take away the reproaches of those within our neighborhood. That is what it means to be blessed and to share the blessing. It's the understanding that... Both births from Elizabeth and Mary were miraculous in their own rights. Zechariah and Elizabeth were past the age of normal conception. And Mary, she was a virgin. We see these two ways that these blessings were received when Gabriel visited Zechariah and Mary to tell them about the blessing. These are two different aspects of two different groups that were social, economically different, two different perspectives. You see Zechariah, who was a high priest in the temple. You could say he lived up in South Hills. He probably rode a fancy Mustang to work every single day. He was in the temple. He was throwing down, um, he was throwing down ox to be able to say he was going to go in the temple. He was a person of high esteem high standard and stuff in life. And then we see Mary, who's young. She's betrothed to be married. Probably a lower stature of poverty. So we see how they, they moved around in, in the world around them of Bethlehem. 
But God saw it fit to use them to be able to manifest his glory in the world around us. Meaning that the person who may be of a higher stature, if they love and glorify God, they can be used by God to bring about a way and a blessing to take away the reproaches of men. God's plan to bless you can look like everything you prayed for. Or it can look like nothing that you ever prayed for in your life or that you may have never even wanted. The funny part about this is that Zachariah and Mary's reactions are kind of the opposite of what we would have expected. Zachariah and Mary were praying for a son. They were praying for a child their whole life. And the irony of it is that you essentially have a pastor who is saying, I'm here and I'm praying for God to do this miracle and to do this work and I am not receiving it. The irony of it is is that Mary wasn't praying for nothing. She's probably just thinking, man, I just can't wait to get married. I'm going to have my husband. We're going to buy this house. We're going to get this new bathroom. We're going to be good, right? Normal stuff that you would pray for in your life just to live and sustain. And I believe in our lives that's what it can look like. The greatest blessings in our life are things that we sometimes don't even ask for. And sometimes they can be even looking like a curse from God as opposed to a blessing from God. God, why are you getting, this is what I asked for. What are you putting me in this situation for? I didn't ask for this. This isn't what it looks like from a normal aspect and from a worldly aspect to be blessed. But God is saying that I am giving this to you so you can utilize it for my glory. It's a matter of what do you do with it and how do we react. We, we see here in the scripture, verse 18, we see Zechariah's reaction to when the angel comes to him. So let's get this right. He's, he's in the temple. He's burning incense in the presence of God. And the angel Gabriel comes to him. You would think this would be something that would be of normalness. But it's also the understanding for 400 years there has been spiritual silence. He's continuing just to walk through his normal life. Kind of like our Christian life. We walk through the normal life. We're going through the same motions. But then God meets us sometimes. We're taken back like, oh, you are real. Oh, you are going to do what you said you were. Oh, you are going to bless me right now. We see this from Zechariah. The angel Gabriel comes to him, tells him that you should have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at the birth of his son, John the Baptist. And he gives these standards as to how he's going to live. And tells all of these things about how he is essentially going to be, be um, Elijah. He's going to turn the spirit of the sons, the daughters, and daughters to the sons. And that he will be a man of God that comes before Jesus Christ. And the reaction of Zechariah is, huh? What do you mean about this? Huh? And his first response is that Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? How shall? It's almost like it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true right now, God. You're telling me that I'm going to have a son after my wife has been barren for years, after I prayed for this for years, after I've studied my whole life, and I've watched what you've done with Abraham, I've watched what you've done with Isaac, I've watched what you've done with Jacob, I've watched what you've done with David, that you're actually going to bless me like the scriptures say. You're actually going to do what you said you were going to do in this moment in time. And he says this, and Zechariah says to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in age. My wife is advanced in age. He stops in this moment in time. 
I kind of like when God wants to bless us and we ask these normal questions. How is it going to happen? What are you going to do? How are you going to manifest this? How is this going to happen? It's the thought and the understanding that God's plans can often seem impossible to man, but they are also done through man. That all things are possible through Jesus Christ when it is a part of God's plan and God's will for it to happen in our lives. And it's a matter for us to be able to walk in this life of faith that when he wants to bless us with that thing that seems impossible, like that sometimes when that bill it needs to be paid and somebody wants to pay it for you real quick. You know what we do sometimes? We kind of have a closed fist mindset. No, no, I don't want you to pay that. No, I, I, I can't have you to do that for me. No, 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 I know I'm going through it right now. I'm struggling right now. But my pride right now won't let me accept that blessing. I had somebody tell me one time. They said, why don't you ever just open your fist to God and receive what he has for you? But it was the pride and the arrogance of me saying, I want to do it on my own. And I don't want the miracle of God. I don't want God's supernatural behavior to manifest in my life because I want to do it on my own. And I have to have a worldly aspect as to how it's going to happen. There's a healing that can happen in people's lives. And sometimes we're like, no, no, I don't want that. I do it on my own. How do we walk in this? And Zechariah, in a sense, had that same kind of way. God is wanting to bless you. God is wanting you to open your hands to receive what he has for you so that then you can take it and give it to other people. But sometimes our pride and our arrogance and our non-belief and disbelief in God hinders us from doing so. It's the reality of the life that we're living in. Zechariah, high priest and temple, he asks this question, for I'm an old man in advance in this age. And God doesn't say, you know what, you ain't going to have this kid right now. Forget you. You ain't going to have no baby. You wanted a baby, I'm taking your baby back. You know what he does in this moment? He affirms how he's going to have this child. But he also kind of gives him a soft rebuke. And so sometimes when I read through the scripture, I have a little attitude problem sometimes. I'm working on it. Sometimes I think, I see like these low-key, like passive, aggressive things that the, the angels and that Jesus Christ will do sometimes when he rebukes people. Gabriel gives him a very kind of soft but also heavy-handed rebuke. He says is this, he gives a sign and a rebuke at the same time by saying, you're going to be mute and deaf until the birth of your son. You're going to be mute and death until the birth of your son. How many blessings have we delayed because we will not receive it by faith when Jesus Christ and God presents it to us? How many times have we gone through pain and sorrows and seasons, seasons of suffering through our lack of obedience when God calls us to be obedient to what he wants to bless us with? How many times in life have we have not received the blessing or there's a lack of blessing because he wants to bless us, but we will not receive it? Close fist mindset. It's what happens in our lives. How many times is God wanting to work in your life with that sin that you're carrying, that heavy laden burden, but you will not give it to God to take it? He says to those who are heavy laden and burdened by the world's projections of how we should live our lives, the world's aspects of how we should live our lives, the world's manifestations of sin and depravity upon our lives, those things that we feel as though we can never get out of, we continue to hold our fist to God instead of saying, God, I give it to you. We bear that heavy yoke 
and that burden in our lives as opposed to saying, God, I give it to you so he can bless us to not to have to deal with the world's woes, not to have to deal with that depression, that anxiety, that stress, that, uh, that abuse. It's the understanding that our mindset should be like Mary. Is that song, Mary, did you know that you, I'm not going to sing it, that you baby boy. Yes, Mary did know. Mary did know. Scripture tells us this. That's why I tell people to read your Bible. This is good theology is good. I hate that song because I'm like, y'all don't know. She knew that she knew what was going to happen. This is what it says here in the Scripture. So we jump over. We're not singing that after service, Ethan. I heard you whispering. We're not singing that next week. We'll take a vote and veto that. This is what it says next week. I'm saying this is what it says. <laughs> this is what it says here in the Scripture. The goal for us is to remember this, is that the purpose of God's blessing is to take away the reproach of man. The purpose of God's blessing is to take away the reproach of man. It says this in verse 20, 25 here, 24 and 25. Let's read that. Elizabeth, as she is rejoicing that she's going to receive. Verse 24, 25 says, After these days the wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five, day, for five months she kept it to herself, hidden and saying, Thus the Lord has done to me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. She's blessed. She's feeling the burden of not having this standard of having a child. But also it's the understanding that I'm going to bless you to take away the reproach from the people. And that the blessing that you're going to have is that your son will be the precursor to Jesus Christ. And that many people will repent of their sins and come to Jesus Christ in this life. So we jump forward. We see in verses 26 through 38. It says here that the angel Gabriel came to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin who was betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary wasn't in the temple. Mary wasn't lighting incense to God. Mary was just probably hanging out like we would normally do. She's just hanging out on the couch, just looking through Snapchat. Reading through her Instagram feed, this is how it looks like sometimes. This is what it would look like for a, a normal young person. We just minding your own business. Chill mode right now. Modern day aspect of what's going on, right? You're going through this and she sees the, the angel Gabriel come to her in her life and says, Greetings to you, the Lord is with you. Verse 29, he says, But she was greatly troubled by this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this was. She's issued by that. She's the angel of the Lord. What's going on right now? Let me put down my phone real quick. Let me put down my Instagram, my Snapchat. So it is a lot of our times when God meets you in your moment. It's not in this grandiose way, but it's in the minute moments of your life that God speaks to you if you're willing to listen, if you're willing to receive him. Maybe something that you're, you're seeing, you're reading and hearing. It's that still small voice in our life that God may be calling us to something greater or to a different or a better aspect on the way that he wants to bless us. But are we listening and are we faithful to move forward with it? So we see here, she's greatly troubled by this. And the angel of the Lord says, do not be afraid, angel. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And he shall be called Jesus, Yeshua. 
He will be great and he will be called the Son of God, the Most High, the Lord of God, will give you, will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign among the house of, of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will know no end. He will take away the reproaches of the people around him. Most people in this moment, when you think that you're, you're getting the blessing, what's the modern day aspect of all this? What do you mean I'm pregnant? I'm a virgin. What's my husband, what is my husband going to say? What, what is going on? And, and, and the, this time, what would happen is that when you were betrothed to your husband, essentially it means that there's about a year period that you're betrothed to that husband. You're, you're waiting and you guys will eventually be, you're married at that time, but then you'll take this year and then you'll actually live together, be together. Could you imagine having to go back to Joseph and be like, ah, I got something to tell you. Guess what? I'm having a baby and you're not the daddy. There's a lot of memes out there. You'll see these memes and they'll be like, who's going to tell them? Like, the baby looks nothing like the father here. Could you imagine the faith that you would have to have when an angel comes to you to say, God came to me and said that I'm going to have this baby. And she starts to ask clarifying questions. She doesn't rebuke it. She doesn't ask for a sign. She steps into faith as to what God is going to do because she has faith in what the Old Testament scriptures just said and that there is going to be a fulfillment of what the scriptures say. And in this moment, she asked the clarifying questions. How will this be since I am a virgin? It's replied back that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, upon the Most High, will overshadow you, and therefore the child will be born. He will be called Holy and the Son of God. Holy and the Son of God. This wasn't what Mary asked for. Mary essentially didn't ask to be in this moment in time a single mother who was going to have to have the baby. It didn't have to go to her husband. She's betrothed to and say, hey, you have to deal with the shame in this moment of time and being like, hold on a minute. Mary and Joseph were together, but the timelines don't add up as to when the baby came and stuff like that. This is what it, what it looks like from a worldly perspective. Your blessing in this moment in time may not look what you prayed for, but it's going to be what God wants to manifest in your life because he knows that you are able to be responsible enough to walk out this blessing when you walk in faith unto God. Not always going to look like what the world looks like as a blessing. So we see here Mary knows she's going to have this baby and she trusted God's plan. This is the intersecting point, the beginning of the sermon where we're going to see a lot of this in Luke. We see God's plan happening on this, this linear place right here. And we see Mary who's like, I want to have a child. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have this big, huge house. I'm going to have my bathroom, my kitchen, and all this stuff. Me and Joseph are going to have some children. And we see, pause real quick, intersection between God's plan and our plan in our life. But it's still a part of God's plan. What happens in the world around you when God's plan wipes away your future? The perception of what God had for your life and how he wanted you to operate. So we see on our day-to-day -day basis right now. When salvation enters the equation, it changes every aspect of your life. The burdens are now taken off. Your mindset as to how you are going to live, this mindset of how you are going to make it through your day-to-day -day is now wiped away and erased. And God puts you on a new projection so that he can bless you, so that you can glorify and take away the reproaches of others, even when it may feel as though it is a burden in your life. What areas of your life do you feel as though are burdensome right now? What areas of your life as you're walking this life out with Christ, 
How are we responding to when God brings about a blessing in our lives? Do we stop and do we kind of question it like Zechariah and say, how am I supposed to know what's going to happen? Do we have a closed fist mindset with Christmas? Do we stop and just say, I don't know how this is going to happen or or I'm going to manifest this myself? Or are we willing to open up our hands and say, God, yes, I receive the blessing. Yes, it doesn't look as though the world should look like, but I'm willing to receive what you have for me for your glorification so that I can receive what you have to help other people. Mary was willing to step forward into this role. She ends off and she says this in verse 37, verse 37 and verse 38. Verse 37, the angel says to Mary, For nothing will be impossible with God. That this immaculate conception is not impossible. But with God, it is possible when it is on his path path and plan for our lives. He ends by saying in verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She started to move forward with this life. What we see here is the reality of what we celebrate this Christmas season, the birth of Jesus Christ. As we go to this book of Luke, let us be reminded as to how we are still a part of God's plan, even when the intersecting points, they seem as though it doesn't look like what the traditional aspect of God's plan should look like or play out. But as we walk out this life of faith, as we walk out this life in knowing God, let us be like Mary That when God blesses us, even when it may not look like a blessing, may not always look the way it should in our lives, may look like it's chaotic for a season and a time in your life, understand that our response should be, let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Because the work that you're going to do will help you in this moment in life to take away the reproach of somebody around you. In every single aspect. Put it in perspective, I always think, um, closed room and stuff like that. When me and Lauren were thinking about having a child, stuff like that. Didn't know it was going to happen, not stuff like that. We said, hey, let's just do foster adoptive kinship care. And before we could even get to that point, little KK showed up on our front porch. We, we were just like, what's going on? What's happening and stuff like that. I love the fact that she just showed up and God knew in that moment in time. We didn't pray for this, but we knew that it was a great blessing for our lives. KK was probably one of the greatest blessings of our lives. Even there were some moments and times it was chaotic. I'm thankful for every single day that we had with her. But it seemed that during the process, it seemed chaotic. It seemed like we weren't going to make it through. We felt the pain and the anguish of someone who was dealing with a real crisis in their life. And we were there able to walk out this life of faith to work and live a life that was going to take away the reproach in her life. I love the fact that we still talk every other day. I love the fact that we're still mom and dad, even though she doesn't live with us right now. But how does it look like for us to manifest God's blessing and God's work in our lives for things that we weren't even praying for? It's going to look like sorrow. It's going to look like pain. It's going to look like suffering. But even in the midst of that, all the good of this situation outweighed the bad and the negativity. 
Are we willing to walk out this life to know that the blessing may also mean that we go through seasons of brokenness, but then also that you are bringing somebody into a place that they know and understand Jesus Christ? Because the greatest blessing of the time that we had with KK was the fact that she came to Christ and I got to baptize her. Would that have ever happened if in that moment of time you closed the door on God's blessing? This isn't what I thought it was going to look like, God. I don't, I, what do you mean you're looking for your mom? That's not my problem right now. Let me close the door on you. That's what we do sometimes in the world around us, that when God presents a blessing that doesn't look like it, we close the door on it. Let's look at this Christmas season. Let's look at the understanding that as we were receiving this blessing, may not look like it does from a worldly aspect, but God wants to manifest and use us and use our church to bring about a blessing to someone else. Amen? Amen. Ethan, do you care to come up and read the back half of our scripture? I've got mine open here if you need it also. And then we'll sing our doxology. Um, do we care to stand for the reading of the scripture? In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And the Holy Spirit, Blessed are you among women. And the blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on me, looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those in humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he speaks to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about the three months and returned to her home. We'll sing our doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise 
is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.